Today on the Matt Walsh Show, the professed bigot Nick Cannon has helpfully demonstrated for all of us what racism actually is and what it sounds like. And, and also not only that, but what form of racism is still acceptable in society. There's only one form of racism left that you're allowed to engage in. We'll talk about what that is. Also, five headlines, including the heroic young boy who rescued his sister from a dog attack and paid the price for it uh, physically. We can all learn a lot from this kid. It's an incredible story. We'll talk about that. And in our daily cancellation, we'll discuss an article from the African American History Museum's website, which says that, among other things, objectivity, politeness, and science are hallmarks of white culture, which sounds pretty white supremacist to me, not what you'd expect to find on the African American History Museum's website, but we'll talk about all that coming up. Uh, but first, we begin here. You know, I'm not ready to move on from this just yet. I know the media is very ready, desperate to, in fact, move on. But there's something to be learned here. So I want to focus on it uh, again. Now, backing up just for a moment, of course, it's 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 difficult to exactly decipher what Nick Cannon is saying in his rambling racist tirade against white people. He appears to, for example, um, think that melanin is some sort of almost magical potion that imbues... Uh, compassion and, and, and virtue and intelligence on, on people. But the basic points are clear. Cannon believes that white people are lesser, they're savages, they're barbarians, they're suffering from a deficiency, uh, they lack compassion, they lack self-esteem, they lack soul. The only way they can act is evil. Uh, and more. In fact, I, I guess we'll play for you. If you haven't seen it yet, we'll go ahead and play this clip just to refresh your memory. Um, if you have seen it, this is this is what Nick Cannon has to say about white people. Watch when we talk about the power of melanated people. When we talk mm -hmm. about who we really are as guys, and, and understanding right. that our melanin is so power, and it connects us in a way that the reason why they fear black, the reason why they fear is because they the lack that they have of it. So then, when you see what you know, Doctor uh, Francis C. Wellesley talked about is that. Fear in that 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 just uh, genetic that annihilation efficiency of mm -hmm. when you have a person that has ha, has the lack of pigment, the right. lack of melanin, right. that they know that they will be annihilated. So therefore, however they got the power, they 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 have the lack of compassion. Mm -hmm. That mel melanin comes with compassion. Melanin comes with soul. That mm -hmm. we call it. We call it soul. We soul brothers and sisters. That's the melanin that connects us. Right. So the people that don't have it have are are. A little, and I'm, I'm gonna say this carefully, <laughs> are a little less, and 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 where the term actually comes from, because I'm bringing it all the way back around okay. to, to Minister Farrakhan, to where they may not have the compassion or the the when they were sent to the mountains of Caucasus, when they when they didn't have the power of the sun that was that the sun then started to deteriorate mm -hmm. them, so then they're acting out of fear they're acting out of low self-esteem they're acting out of a, a deficiency mm -hmm. so therefore the only way that they can act is evil the only way they can they, they have to rob steal rape kill and fight or flight okay. in, or, in order to survive exactly so then these people who didn't have what we had and when i say we i speak of the mm -hmm. melanated people right they had to be savages they had to be barbaric. They had because they're in these Nordic mountains. They're in these rough, 
uh, torrential environment. Mm. So they, they're acting as animals. Right. So they're the ones that are actually closer to animals. They're the ones that are actually the true savages. Okay, much to say here. But before we do, I want to tell you about um, our friends over at LifeLock. You know, I, I, I think uh, all of us, uh, at least a time or two, have maybe come close. Hope Maybe we've actually, maybe not just close, but have actually been duped by internet scammers because internet scammers are getting more and more sophisticated. In fact, in the five headlines, we've got a story about uh, an internet scam that was running yesterday. Talk about sophisticated. Um, and that's coming up. But the, the, the point is, these are turbulent times and fraudsters just love it. They love to take advantage of, of, of the turbulence, of the uncertainty. Cybersecurity researchers are warning that cyber criminals are sending emails that include Black Lives Matter in the subject line in an effort to install malware on victims' computers. So whatever's going on in the news, whatever people are talking about, they're going to find a way to take advantage of that um, just to scam people. And that's why it's so important to take preventative measure. Every day we put our information at risk on the internet. You could miss certain identity threats just by, uh, uh, you know, if you just try to monitor your credit or whatever, yeah, you're going to see that, but you're going to, there's a lot that you're going to miss. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number being on sale for the dark web, stuff like that that you're not going to be able to find for yourself. And if they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they're going to send you an alert immediately, and they're going to help you sorted out from there. No one can prevent all identity th theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Go to lifelock.com slash Walsh. That's lifelock.com slash Walsh for 25% off. Now, back to that Nick Cannon club. Whatever else we can say about, uh, about it and about Cannon, we should be grateful in some ways that Cannon has perform the valuable service of demonstrating what racism actually sounds like, what it is, because the word is misused and abused and misapplied so often that you can, it can be easy to forget that it's a real thing, um, especially with the left having made racist, the term racist, interchangeable with has opinions that differ from my own. 99% of the time when someone on the left is using the, ter the term, that's what they actually mean. But that's obviously not what racism actually is. Racism is the belief that a certain race of people are lesser, savage, barbarian, uh, deficient, which is verbatim what Nick Cannon said about white people. So if your child ever asks you what racism is, well, you could say, here, sweetie, I'll show you what it is, and then play the Nick Cannon video for them, and that will, uh, that will clear it up. Of course, this, all, this goes without saying, but if a white celebrity or white non-celebrity said what, well, forget about it. If a white person said, used any one of those terms that Cannon used about white people, if a white person used it in relation to black people, uh, you take, just, just take any five second snippet from that two minute clip. And uh, if that was, and, 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 and you put that into the mouth of a white person, well, they're going to be condemned by everyone, all parties, all corners, everywhere in America, they would immediately lose every job they have and every job they might have had in the future. And this would all happen with lightning speed. There would be no one except maybe on the fringes of the fringe of the fringe speaking up in defense of him. That's because contrary to claims of systemic racism and inherent racism in American culture, anti-black racism is not only rejected by the mainstream, but it is probably the most, it is the view that is most rejected by the mainstream.
it, it would be difficult to think of anything that is more rejected in mainstream culture than anti-black racism. And not just by the mainstream. It's rejected almost everywhere in the mainstream, uh, in America, in the mainstream and in, in most of its tributaries. And that's a good thing. It's a sign of progress. Doesn't mean that anti-black racism doesn't exist. It just means that anti-black racism has a very difficult time finding safe harbor and uh, and and a sounding board and a cheering section. This is not the case for anti-white racism, which is often ignored, or tacitly approved, or outright defended. And we've seen all three of these happen with the Nick Cannon story, which is why it's so instructive and worth. Um, Worth, worth focusing on. Viacom CBS, of course, terminated their, their relationship with, uh, with the bigot Nick Cannon, which is a, a pretty severe financial penalty, to be sure. But, uh, you know, and, and, and of course, but I also say that tentatively because it wouldn't surprise me at all if they hire him back next week or even tomorrow. Uh, so we'll see how long this sticks. But the corporation very conspicuously avoided denouncing Cannon's anti-white racism in their statement on why they were firing him. You would think that that would be the reason they fired him, but it's not. Their official reason for firing him has nothing to do with calling white people savage barbarians. Uh, Instead, they were focused on uh, comments that Cannon made calling black people the true Hebrews and claiming that blacks can't be anti-Semitic because they're the real Semitic people. Now, this is false, it's bizarre, it's objectionable, but it's, it's tame in comparison with essentially claiming that the white race is subhuman, which is what Nick Cannon said there. Okay. Viacom CBS ignored that part of it, which seems to suggest that if Cannon hadn't mentioned Jewish people, if he had just skipped over that part and had stuck to dehumanizing the entire white race instead, he'd still have a job today. Now, Most of the media coverage, we talk about the reaction to this. Most of the media coverage um, has followed Viacom's lead, choosing to pretend that one of the country's most famous and ubiquitous celebrities didn't just claim that a whole race of people is comprised of evil savages. Uh, There's an article uh, on the website Essence that summarizes the racist diatribe of Nick Cannon as a conversation about, quote, violence at the hands of white people. And then there are other articles, a lot of them, that basically try to paint Cannon as the aggrieved party, talking about how he's, you know, demanding ownership of of his shows on Viacom, um, and making no mention again of his explicitly racist attack against whites. This has been the general strategy from uh, most corners. Just pretend that he didn't say it at all. That's the strategy. Pretend this is an anti-Semitism controversy. In fact, Nick Cannon, after initially being defiant about it, and even saying that he's the one who owed an apology, finally backed down. Well, I say finally. It took him 12 hours, and he backed down. And he issued the uh, the inevitable groveling apology last night. But um, he doesn't apologize at all. In his apology, he doesn't apologize at all for calling white people savage barbarians. He, like everybody else, is pretending that that didn't happen, and instead, uh, his statement, I'll, I'll read some of it to you, his statement, or probably his PR team statement, says, First and foremost, I extend my deepest and most sincere apologies to my Jewish brothers and sisters for the hurtful and divisive words that came out of my mouth during my interview with Richard Griffin. 
Uh, they enforce the worst stereotypes of a proud and magnificent people, and I feel ashamed of the uninformed and naive place that these words came from. The video of this interview has since been removed. While the Jewish experience encompasses more than 5,000 years, and there is so much I have yet to learn, I have at least a minor history lesson over the past few days, and to say that it is eye-opening would be a very vast it would be a vast understatement. I want to express my gratitude to the rabbis, community leaders, and institutions who reached out to me to enlighten me. Instead of ch chastising me, I want to assure my Jewish friends, new and old, that this is only the beginning of my education. I am committed to deeper connections, more profound learning, and strengthening the bond between the, our two cultures today and every day going forward. Okay. Great. That covers the anti-Semitic portion. What about calling all of your white fans evil, savage, soulless, subhuman barbarians? What, what about that part? That doesn't matter, apparently. We're not going to talk about that. So this is all ignoring and tacitly, accept, tacitly accepting anti-white racism. That's what that looks like. But as I said, there's always plenty of people who are ready to outright defend it. So you could have gone yesterday especially to Nick Cannon's Twitter or his Facebook and you could have found hundreds, probably thousands of people expressing their support for him, many of whom explicitly endorsing his racist comments. And I know that we like to say, when we see this kind of stuff on Twitter or Facebook, we like to say, that's not the real world. That's just Twitter or Facebook. That's the internet. No, it's the real world. The internet exists in the real world. It's not the matrix. Um, this is the real world. It's, it's a communication mechanism. It's a communication tool that real people use. And so if you see thousands of people on the internet saying to Nick Cannon, I agree with what you said about white people, what does that mean? It means that there are thousands of people that agree. The fact that they're expressing it on the internet doesn't make it any less real, which is the dumbest. I've talked about this before, kind of a side note, but this, I guess it's wishful thinking, um, but I find it so stupid that you hear all the time that this, 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 uh, distinction people want to make between the real world and the internet. These are human beings who are expressing how they feel and what they really think. That is, I, I hate to tell you, that's real. And so if you go to the internet and you happen to notice, wow, there are a lot of scumbags here. I'm sorry to say that means there are a lot of scumbags in reality. Um, those scumbags, they don't just materialize on the internet and they're not all bots either. Most of them totally real. And, 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 and it, it, not only that, but uh, what that tells us is, is probably the internet gives us the most accurate insight into how people actually are. Yes, if you bump into them at the supermarket, they're going to be polite to you face to face. But if you want to know what they actually feel like, and what they actually think, wait until they're hiding behind a keyboard and especially behind anonymous accounts. And then you get an idea of who, who these people really are. Um, and that's the case on the internet in general. Anyway, that's a, just a side note. In, 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 in this case, you go to the internet, you go to social media and you see many, many comments and support. And what that means again, is that there are many, many people who support, um, Nick Cannon's and not just, not just anonymous people on the internet either. Uh, there have been, you know, some of the defenders are some of the most powerful forces in media, like Sean Diddy Combs, who offered the uh, racist Nick Cannon a job and expressed solidarity with him, saying, we are for our people first. That's what he tweeted. Uh, famous athletes have gotten in on the action. Dwayne Wade, 
deleted it, but originally he tweeted something uh, saying, uh, praising Cannon's leadership and saying, we are with you. The normalization of anti-white racism, which is what this is, um, does have consequences. Real world consequences. As I've documented in the pa- documented in the past and talked about in the past, there have been a slew of, of brutally violent attacks against white people in recent weeks. And though none of them have been prosecuted as hate crimes, even though doing something like pouring paint on a BLM mural apparently is a hate crime, uh, in spite of that, it's difficult to believe that there's no racial motivation to any of these assaults. Because what else can we expect? When a certain demographic is constantly portrayed as the villain and all the evil in the world is blamed on them and hatred and degradation of this group is, is ignored or outright justified, we can't be surprised to see this carefully cultivated resentment and suspicion spilling over into violence and worse. It's a story as old as humanity. We've seen it play out countless times. And now the cycle is beginning again. We have to realize there are other consequences too. Because racism is indeed a cycle. It feeds off itself. Racism from one group towards another fuels racism from the targeted group back in the other direction. And on and on, round and round, again and again and again. It's the story of humanity. And perhaps it's inevitable, but if we can see the cycle playing out and recognize it, we should try to do our best to break out of it. So when you make a group of people into the villain, when you heap scorn on them, when you insist that they should feel nothing but guilt and shame and so on, um, along with encouraging hatred of that group from the outside, you also encourage hatred within and from that group. You are fueling the cycle of resentment and hatred. You are essentially trying to provoke the hated group into acting exactly as you claim they act, into living down to your expectations. So a perfect example, this, this, which we've discussed many times, this relentless parade of hate crime hoaxes that we see all the time. People constantly pretending that they got racist notes left on their car, or they found a, a noose, or whatever it is. Eventually, some white guy is really going to go and leave a racist note on a car, or plant a noose, or something. Eventually, it's going to happen for real. Now, for the past 20 years, it's, it's most of the time been a hoax. But eventually, it will happen for real. And when it does happen, the media, of course, will pretend that the past 20 years of nonstop hoaxes didn't happen or had nothing to do with it. I mean, it's almost like, you know, if I didn't know any better, I might say, that the media and other forces in America are trying to provoke this. It's almost like they're trying to stir racial tension, racial discord. Almost as if they want a race war because it's good for ratings and it's useful to their ideological goals most of all. Yes, almost. It's almost like that. Or, you know, exactly like that. Now we're going to move on to our headlines. Uh, but before we do, you know, talking about all this news, everything going on in society, good time to mention that Ben Shapiro has a new book uh, coming out called How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. 
And it's about as relevant and current as a book can get. This goes on sale Tuesday, July 21st at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And uh, Ben will be doing a virtual live signing event on the day of release. With your purchase of a signed copy, you can write in a question, which may be read and answered as he signs the books. Live on air, you can pre-order your signed copy and write in your question at dailywire.com slash Ben. What the book talks about, it covers two fundamentally different visions of America that are now on the table. One vision is unifying. You know, it finds our unity in shared philosophy, ideas, culture, history. The other disintegrates our culture in the name of fundamental change. Um, how to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps gets into all of that. It details how this other worldview has gained so much cultural ground so quickly. Very important. Again, that's dailywire.com slash Ben. Order your signed copy and join Ben's live signing on Tuesday, July 21st. Okay, um, number one, a major hacking incident at Twitter. The accounts of Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Apple, a bunch of other accounts as well. Very, very high-profile accounts were hacked, and tweets were posted by the hackers soliciting uh, people to send money or Bitcoin. And in exchange, Gates and, and Musk and whoever would send back money. So I think that I think the Bill Gates one said something like, send me $1,000 and I'll send you back $2,000. And it seems that a large number of people, depressingly, though not shockingly, were dumb enough to actually do it. Well, gee, this, this seems totally legitimate and valid, doesn't it? I think, I think uh, you know, it's Bill Gates is asking me to send $1,000. He'll give me $2,000. Sounds good to me. I'll go ahead and send him $1,000. Um, turns out that the hackers may have gained access through the back door, essentially. They somehow got access to Twitter's control panel. And it looks like a Twitter employee gave them access. Either, I don't know why, maybe it was paid off, blackmailed, who knows. Um, and from there, they could do whatever they wanted. They could hack anyone. They could access any account. Which probably means that a great many high-profile accounts were compromised. And I guess if you're a high-profile account and you have sensitive DMs that you sent via Twitter, um, well, get your, get your PR team ready now because they're going to have a lot of work cut out for them. Which is, which is just one of the reasons why, um, you know, you sending sensitive messages through something like Twitter is an extremely stupid thing to do. Uh, even though they're supposedly private, general rule here, if there's, if there's a, uh, I think a good general rule, even if you're not high profile, never send a message through Twitter or Facebook that you definitely wouldn't want everyone in the world to see. Even though it's supposedly not public, just a good Good, good strategy. If, if, if there's if there's something you want to say or communicate that you don't want the whole world to see, find a different way to communicate it. Maybe carrier pigeon would be more secure than Twitter DMs. Okay, number two, Bridger Walker, a six-year-old boy, has gone viral, uh, gotten a lot of attention, deserved attention for once. Good to see someone getting deserved attention, positive attention. After he stepped in between his little sister and a charging dog, the dog mauled him in the face. Um, and the gruesome stuff latched onto his cheek. But the boy doesn't seem to regret defending his sister. He says that if someone had to die, he thought that it should be him, not his sister. That's what he said. Uh, and uh, remarkable courage and heroism from, from this, this little guy. There he is with his injuries. And you know something? It looks grisly. Um, I can't imagine the pain that this child was in and probably is still in. 
but I'm hopeful and I feel pretty good. I, I'm, I'm optimistic that you, know, you look at that. It's a young kid. Kids' bodies heal very quickly from injuries. I've seen that from my own children, even though, thank God, they never sustained an injury that gruesome or anywhere near to that. But um, even so, you know, ch- children are very resilient physically. So the hope is I, I, I would, of course, hope and pray that uh, those injuries uh, heal and, and maybe leaving just enough of a scar for people to see for the rest of his life what a badass he is. And he'll have a hell of an amazing story to tell. Uh, that's my hope anyway. But regardless, heroic little guy, amazing story, inspiring story. There's also an infuriating aspect of this story, which is the irresponsible a-hole dog owners who kept an aggressive, dangerous dog around. There's that too. I am just, I think, I, I hope we all are just tired of seeing stories of children being mauled by these dogs. And it's always the same breeds, right? Pitbull, German Shepherd, a couple others. This was a German Shepherd. No surprise. You see a headline like this, child mauled by a dog. You've got two or three dog breeds in mind. Before you even click on it, you know it's going to be one of those, and every single time, it is. Always the same breeds. But people keep them around because, what, they're cute, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're they're animals. They're extremely aggressive by nature. Uh, these are very big, strong, tough animals that are made to maul things and kill things. But, uh, you know, I'll keep it around in a neighborhood with little kids because it's so cute. Meanwhile, children are, are mauled, sometimes killed. I'm just sick of it. I hope the dog is, was put down. I think the dog was put down, thank God. If I were the father of that kid, I'd do it myself. We wouldn't have to bring it to the vet. It would, that, that would be an immediate thing. Um, and hopefully the owners go to prison for reckless endangerment. That's the other part of this. You choose to keep a dangerous dog around. That dog hurts or kills someone. You should go to jail for that, in my mind. Number three, a Spirit Airlines flight to Philly from Fort Lauderdale. Lauderdale was delayed, uh, which tends to happen sometimes when you're flying. More and more, it seems like. But some of the passengers were not very happy about the delayed flight. And here's how they reacted to the news. So I'm not exactly sure what the strategy is there. I have to be honest with you. Beat up the airline staff and that will make the boarding process faster. And, you know, you do know, of course, that the people at the gate have nothing to do with the flight being delayed, which is which is a misconception that a lot of people seem to have. You know, I do a lot of flying and I've never seen a reaction quite like that, but I have seen plenty of times where people are getting angry and annoyed at the gate agent because the flight's delayed. 
Talk, talk about talk about shooting the messenger. Is they've got absolutely nothing to do. There's nothing they can do about it. It's totally not their. It's as much their fault as it is yours. So getting mad at them and 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 everything makes no sense. Especially physically assaulting them, I think, makes even less sense. Um, really, you're upset about the flight being delayed, and because you want to get where you're going faster, and but you react in a way that now you're going to be sitting in a jail cell instead. So that just seems it seems counterproductive, perhaps. But at least these people were arrested. That's the good news. Arrested, charged right away. Because, you know, you can get away with that stuff anywhere in America, it seems like, these days. Except airports. Airports don't play around. And I'm guessing these girls probably are looking at federal charges, too. Because you you do anything illegal in an airport, you're looking at local charges, federal charges, too, if they want to do that. Uh, Airports, it seems, are the one bastion of law and order and civility left in America. And I never thought I would say that in a positive way, but but here we are. I may just move to an airport. You think about airports, okay. Airports, they're still arresting criminals. Um, anarchists will be arrested. You can drink a cocktail at 7 a.m. and nobody judges you. Those are two positives. Those are really the only two positives, but that's enough for me these days. Number four, the National Association of Police Organizations, uh, though it twice endorsed Obama-Biden, now endorses Trump. According to the Daily Wire, NAPO President Michael McHale's letter announcing the endorsement noted the, quote, unfair and inaccurate opprobrium, there's a good word, you don't see it very often, being directed at our members by so many, adding, quote, we particularly value your directing the Attorney General to aggressively prosecute those who attack our officers, talking to Trump, um, and uh, so that this shouldn't be a surprise. Every police organization in existence, you would think, would, would be endorsing Trump over Biden. Every police officer. It's, it's crazy to think that there would be any police officer anywhere in America that would still be voting Democrat after this. You, you Democrats are avowedly, professedly anti-cop. As far as Democrats are concerned, if you're a police officer and you defend yourself to preserve your own life against a violent criminal, you should go to jail and face capital punishment even. That's, you don't get more anti-cop than that. So number five, finally, great news here. The last piece of the puzzle is in place. Freedom is now reigning in America. Peace and unity will soon follow. A utopia. All of our problems are solved as the city of Minneapolis is preparing to legalize women going topless in parks. This was a very important issue, especially in Minneapolis, because they got nothing else to worry about, right? They only had half of their city burned down by anarchists, but uh, we don't need to worry about that. Let's focus on making sure that women can go topless in in parks. The commissioner of the city park board, who uh, is, is a dude, by the way, just have to note that, said, I firmly believe the law should treat people equally, regardless of gender. In spaces where men are allowed to go shirtless, women and transgender people should be able to as well. Inversely, in spaces where it would be inappropriate for women to expose their chests, it should be inappropriate for men as well. People should not be discriminated against just because heterosexual men have oversexualized them. Any argument that can be made against the exposure of a woman's chest should apply just as strongly against the exposure of a man's chest. Sure. Okay there, Chris. The dude Chris wants women topless in the park, but for equality's sake, you understand. That's what this is about. Purely that's the principle of the matter. That's what he's standing up for. In fact, all the men and, and local officials around the country who have, who have made this change, and you're, you're seeing it more and more, 
in cities and states across the country uh, where they're, they're you know, uh, freeing the nipple. But we should remember, it, and, and very often, it's majority men, male leadership that are, that are passing these rules and ordinances and laws. But just remember, they're, they're, they're doing it for equality. That's all this is about. Okay, no ulterior motives. They just want to make sure everything is free and equal. It will never cease to fascinate me that feminists continue to try to destroy the patriarchy by taking off their clothes. It's, it is perhaps the most counterproductive form of protest of all time. And that is saying something. That is saying quite a lot these days. Because there are a great many counterproductive forms of protest. That might take the cake, though. Uh, and that's it for headlines. We're going to go to our daily cancellation. But first, you know, as we were just saying, uh, a lot going on in the world. Hard to even know where to start. Um, and when you, but but the thing is, with with so much news, it's hard to know where to go to get the real story. And I'll tell you what you have to do. You have to go outside of the narrative and get the facts. So if you're a political junkie set on getting both sides of the story, get a reader's pass today from dailywire.com. You'll get access to exclusive op-eds from us, your podcast hosts, as well as guest writers, in-depth analysis from our great Daily Wire reporters on top of our regular breaking news. Um, my latest article, you can go if you get a reader's pass, you can read that. And it's about uh, uh, George, the George Floyd memorials. Listen, we're, we're tearing down memorials of... of and monuments to dead men who supposedly did bad things. Well, George Floyd did a, at least one very bad thing. Uh, and what about that? What about his mural? So I talk about that, make that case. This membership tier is already a bargain at $3 a month. But if you join today, you get your first month for 99 cents. You also get access to our mobile app, receive push notifications for breaking news, special content as well. And you can join the community of Daily Wire members who are actively commenting and discussing our content with each other. So go to, go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and join today. Okay, for our daily cancellation, the National Museum of African American History and Culture is in line to be canceled today. I know that in times like these, it may seem like a provocative thing to cancel the African American History Museum, but I have good reason. Uh, On their website, there's an article telling us how to talk about race, because apparently there's a shortage of articles explaining how to talk about race. There's only 15 published today. I guess the African American History Museum thought we need to add a 16th. And so they did. But in that article, there's a graphic. And here is the, uh, the graphic. And this is what's getting them canceled. This is what did it. Uh, the graphic here you can look at. Let's, let's read through it together. It says, aspects and assumptions of whiteness and white culture in the United States. Okay. Explains white culture or whiteness refers to the ways... Um, white people and their traditions, attitudes, and ways of life have been normalized over time and are now considered standard practices in the United States. And since white people still hold most of the institutional power in America, we have all internalized some aspects of white culture, including people of color. And then it goes through and talks about the aspects of white culture. Rugged individualism. The individual is the primary unit. Self-reliance. Um... Independence and autonomy, highly valued. Uh, The nuclear family, father, mother, two and a half children is the ideal social unit. Husband is breadwinner, head of household. Um, Children should have their own rooms. So some of this is just, children should have their, how is that a white thing? My kids don't have their own rooms. I didn't have my own room. This, okay, you say it's a white thing. You have to be a lot more specific than that. It's, it's definitely not an Irish Catholic thing, I can tell you that. Uh, 
Emphasis on scientific method is white. Objective, objective, rational, linear thinking is the domain of whiteness. Cause and effect relationships is uh, is white. Cause and effect. You know, I thought that was just a fundamental aspect of physical reality. Apparently not. Um, squares are only square in white culture too. I don't know if you knew that. Squares in every other culture, uh, triangles are squares. So history. Uh, based on Northern European immigrants' experience in the United States. Okay, that one makes a little bit more sense. Protestant work ethic. Hard work is the key to success. Work before play. Uh, future orientation. Delayed gratification. Plan for the future. Time. Time is, is, uh, is owned by white people. Uh, what else? We miss a status, power, and authority, respect for authority, Christianity. Um, I, how how Christianity is a white thing, you know, that that also beats me. Christianity began in the Middle East. Um, Christianity is is thriving more in non-white countries than it is in white countries. Um, holidays based on white history and male leaders. Okay. Justice, intent counts. <laughs> So when only from a white perspective should we should we talk should we discuss intent when talking about crimes, uh, competition, win at all cost, action orientation, decision decision making. Okay, so there we have there there's some of the things that are uh, that are hallmark hallmarks of white culture. J- just to recap, hallmarks of white culture uh, says the says the African American History Museum are, among other things, self-reliance, hard work, family, objectivity, science, politeness, respect, cause and effect relationships, delayed gratification, and time itself. These are all white things. A couple of strange things about this, um, speaking of being counterproductive. First, of course, these are all very good things. So I I am not, as a white person, insulted by any means, by, by any of this. I guess we're supposed to be suspicious of these things or have a negative view of them, but they are all, they are all, they are mostly very good. So this really amounts to an almost unbelievably racist attack on all other races on planet Earth because it essentially claims that none of them are hardworking, objective, or polite. Or at least, at least, if they are those things, it's only because they are borrowing from or being influenced by, or even maybe we would say appropriating, white culture. So we see again this very strange overlap, which actually is not so strange when you when you really get into it and think about it. But there's an overlap between white supremacism and SJW wokeness. The two sides speak almost in tandem, echoing each other. And then also, uh, the other part of this, notice how this is all describing white culture, white culture. But 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 um, wait a second. Not only white culture, but it says you know white traditions, white everything. So according to this, white people have a culture. We have traditions. We have identity. Okay. But wait a second. Have we not been told time and again that white people don't have a culture, that there is no white culture? Yes, that, that's not my imagination. We have been told that. The lack of white culture is the reason why, for example, we're supposed to capitalize black now, but not white. And the reason that we're given, if we're given any reason at all, 
is that you know black is in reference to a very specific group of people, specific culture. So you capitalize it like you would capitalize Jew, you know, or 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 Chinese. Um, but uh, white is not. White is not a culture. It's not a specific group. It's not an identity. That's that's what we're told. And it's also why I think most importantly. It's also why we are told that it is racist for a white person to be proud of their race. For a white person to say, I am proud of being white, or I'm proud of my whiteness, or whatever. That is racist. But it's not racist, we're told, for any other race to say that. Any other race can say that, and it's perfectly fine. In fact, not just fine, it's it's uh, laudable. It's something to celebrate. We, they should be proud of it. White people aren't supposed to be proud of their race. Again, the reason that we're given for that, if you've ever asked, the reason is that white white is not a culture, it's not an identity. And so there's nothing to be proud of. So if you say that you're proud of being white, what you really mean, says this version, uh, is, is just that uh, you mean to express a, sort of a negative view of other races. That's So it's, whereas a black person saying, I'm proud of being black, I'm proud of my blackness, uh, that's a that's a, a positive statement about their black identity. For a white person to say it, because white people lack culture and identity, it's 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 now a negative statement about other races. That's the explanation. But now we're being told that white is a culture, and not only is it a culture, but it's a culture with with according to this, uh, many many very positive aspects. I mean, everything I just read is, my, to my mind, or most of the things that they list here, very, very good. So if that really is white culture, then who wouldn't be proud of that? If, if white people, according to this, have ownership somehow or, or have, have, have invented or have some sort of unique relationship with respecting authority, being polite, valuing family, delaying gratification, working hard, then of course you're going to be proud of that. So which is it? Do we have a culture or not? Well, the answer is this. Here's the answer. Because it all gets very confusing and you're wondering what's going on. The answer is, um, if you're white, you have a culture and an identity when the left needs you to have one uh, for political and ideological reasons. And you don't have it when they need you not to have one. So it changes by the day, by the hour, by the minute. It can change from sentence to sentence when you're listening to a leftist speak. That's the answer. It's just, it's entirely up to them, and it's whatever they happen to need in the moment. And you exist, and not just as a white person, but as all people. You exist to, to, to follow their orders and obey them and to fit into whatever box they put you in. And I said, as I said, this does not just apply to white people. This, this in fact, especially applies to uh, minorities. And any minority who ventures outside of the box that has been assigned to them by the left and expresses views they're not supposed to express, according to the left, has learned how they get treated, which is even worse than the dreaded, you know, heterosexual, cisgendered white man gets treated. So that's the answer. That's it. The arbitrariness is the point. Because we are meant to follow along and be obedient and go with the program and follow the script. 
It is not to reason why, it is but to do and die. That's it. Follow, do, do as you're told, is the message from the left and from the elites in, in, in our culture, in media, academia, government. That's what they want you to know. And uh, because of all that, this cancellation has been doled out. And we'll leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Donald Trump opens up a campaign front on the issue of law and order, and the question is, has American been taught to hate itself so much it will surrender to the mob? Plus, Sebastian Gorka comes on to tell all you wusses and cowards out there to bug off. It's great stuff on The Andrew Claven Show. <laughs>